0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Jeanette. And um, yeah, good morning, everybody. And um, it's good to be able to share with the last um, message in this series I've been doing, going through this Psalm um, 139. And um, <coughs> yeah, Emily already mentioned before, it's the start of term four, um, which is exciting. But for teachers, is this weekend's kind of sad because it's the end of the holidays. <laughs> Even though there's so many holidays. When Tam and I were teaching, we would get this thing called Holiday Blues, which so the last weekend of the school holidays, you just feel sad for some reason, and then you realize, oh, you have to go back to work. We get 12 weeks a year, but not enough. <laughs> so, and um, yeah, so kind of on holidays, you might have experienced it, you're on a great holiday, it's going awesome, just peaceful, restful, and then you realize, ah, oh, I've got to get back to work. And not that works bad, but it's like the reality hits back. Um, or you might experience it before on a camp, um, maybe a spiritual retreat of some kind, you go away, it's just this awesome time together, an awesome time with God, but then you come back to the reality and it can hit harder. And sometimes if you have this really high point away or a really great break and then have to come back to difficulty or trouble or just the mundaneness of life, it can be a bit more stuck um, and can hit hard. And it kind of seems like that might be partly what's happening in this psalm because the elephant in the room probably the last few weeks has been, this is a beautiful psalm with some very violent language towards the end, uh, which we might like to just skip over and sort of say, how about we just leave that bit out, David, that's a bit too intense. Um, But in some ways, it's almost like he's been in this high point of, of this intimate connection with God who knows him intimately, knows everything about him, is with him, has created him. And then it's like all this amazingness of who God is in stark contrast to the reality of the world and the reality of people who reject God and are opposed to God and the reality of a world that's opposed to God and a, a holy God but a broken world. And it's like there's this stark contrast that David realizes, and his response is quite intense. Um, and we're going to go through these verses today, again, verses we might like to skip over, um, but I think there's really something for us in these as well, um, but I guess I ask that you to sort of track with me carefully today, because these pretty intense words uh, about hatred and enemies and, and slaying the wicked is pretty intense, I don't want to misunderstand this or, or, or take this the wrong way, um, but I do want to see what God's saying through His Word, even in this sort of language that David prays as well. So I might just pray quickly, and then we'll look at this psalm today. Yeah, we just thank you, Lord, for your word and um, for how you speak to us and how you listen to us. And um, yeah, we just pray that you'd speak even through these words of David, thousands of years old and inspired by you. Would you would you lead us this morning and, and speak to our hearts as we seek to yeah navigate these times? We're in um, in intimate relationship with you. Just ask your Spirit to speak today uh, through your word in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so yeah, from these like beautiful words about about God's love for him and how God thinks of him more than the grains of sand on the sea, all of a sudden then David switches and says, if only you, God, would slay the wicked, away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. So, it's true that God knows David, like we've been talking about, and knows us, and that God is present always, and God has been with David his whole life, but what's also true is that everything in the world is not okay. We have an amazing God with amazing love and faithfulness that we've been talking about, but as we've been talking about, things are complex in the world, and actually things are not just complex, but are broken. We have a good and holy God, but a world that is opposed to Him. And people who are opposed to him. And what we see, sort of David, wake up to and, and and be acknowledging in these verses is that everything is not okay because evil is at work in the world. We've been talking a bit about how the world um, in our day and age is complex and networked and incredibly globalized in, in maybe more ways than ever. And that's causing complexity and problems and difficulty and a pandemic and so forth. But that's not the ultimate problem with the world. Uh, As Christians, we believe the biblical story that actually the ultimate problem with the world is evil, is actually forces at work in the world that are anti-God, that God made the world good, but the world and people are actually in rebellion against Him. There's anti-God, anti-creation, anti-good, destructive forces in the world the ultimate problem problem is actually a rebellion against this good god it's actually taking god's stuff wanting his creation wanting life on our terms wanting his stuff and telling him he can get lost that that's kind of the reality of the world and the and the deception that started in the garden and david sort of recognizes this and his response is like that's not okay. <laughs> it's he's upset about that. It's it's things are not okay like that. It's not just something we should accept, but he actually wants evil dealt with. This is this coming this desire that's coming out of him that actually evil should be dealt with. It should not be allowed to continue unchecked. And the Psalms if you're reading through the Psalms, like there's lots of beautiful words, but there's also really intense language that comes up. And especially if we're praying the Psalms and we're praying these beautiful words, but then we pray, God, slay the wicked. It's like, oh, that seems, I don't know if we should pray that necessarily. But I think there's a whole lot we could say about this, and I have a lot more study to do on this as well. But, but I think one thing we can say is that what David is expressing and what the Psalmists are expressing in their language and in their context when they're speaking like this is they're expressing a desire for justice they're expressing a desire for evil to be dealt with. The way that David puts it is God kill bad people. Like, and we'll talk about what Jesus says about that and how that needs to be redirected. But but the good desire behind that is this desire that evil is dealt with, that justice comes. That actually um that's actually a good desire. And it's actually our hope that God will one day remove all evil and restore his good world. And actually we can look forward to that in hope. Um, The bad news, I suppose we can look from this psalm and, and the story of Scripture, perhaps for modern day readers, the bad news is that the world is way worse than it looks in many ways. It's not just that we're finding it hard to get along as humans and we just need to find some better technology and some better ways of communicating. That's not the problem. The problem is evil spiritual forces that have deceived and lied to us and told us that God is not good and led a whole rebellion against him. That's the problem. That's the, what's bad. But the good news is that God has won, and there will be a day of justice when everything is made right and his creation is restored. And it's actually good to look to that day. So I think in, these sort of, um, in, the, in their own way, the psalmists are expressing that in their context, that desire for justice. David then expresses this desire in very raw emotional terms. Um, he uses the word hate quite strongly. and Again, these are intense verses, and we need to check these and then check what Jesus says as we sort of interpret them, but we can take the good that comes. um, We can learn from what David is doing, especially in what God is saying through his word in these verses. We don't want to take them the wrong way. But David says this, Do not I hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you, I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Again, a pretty intense um, prayer. And um, as we pray this, we need to probably be careful how we pray it. And we're going to look at what Jesus says and, and sort of redirect it. Um, but it's interesting. Like, we, obviously, Jesus says to love our enemies, not hate them. And D- David's saying he hates his enemies. But one thing that the New Testament does affirm, which David is doing, is that it's appropriate to hate evil. Um, Romans 12 puts it like this, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. We might think um, the appropriate response to everything is just tolerance and acceptance and love, that we should just accept things in the world and accept the way the world is and just be nice. But. We can see David's obviously very intense in his hatred of of people who are evil, but the New Testament says, well, actually, if we love God and love good, it's appropriate to hate things that are opposed to good and that are opposed to God. Particularly in the New Testament, we see the spiritual forces that are behind that, because people are all made in the image of God and belong to God and are loved by God, but there's spiritual evil forces behind people that's appropriate to hate the destruction that they bring. But it's interesting that David, as he's expressing this, we have to remember that David is expressing this in prayer to God. He's telling God how he's feeling, his raw emotion, even of hatred. And I think one thing we can learn in this is that we can actually bring our raw emotions to God in prayer. We may think or may have been taught um, when we pray to be on our best behavior, to bring your, your best um, version of yourself to God in prayer, or to, to pray um, in a formal way, or to, and there's, there's, there's good in that as well. But as we've been lo- talking about, God knows already, right? God knows everything that's going on in our hearts already. And if we put on some sort of show to Him, He sees through that and He, he knows what's really going on. He doesn't want pretense, He wants our heart, and He knows what's in our heart. And as we see in the Bible, again and again, he can handle what's in our heart. Um, David just puts it out there. Um, Moses just is honest with God. Again and again, biblical prayers are just raw and honest, and God can handle that. I was even thinking about it, like, to, to really express how you're really feeling to someone, especially a raw, ugly emotion, is actually, uh, to do it in a vulnerable way, is actually a, like a message of trust, like, I trust you enough to express this deep, ugly part of me. And actually, to express it to God, in many ways, is an expression of trust, that we can trust Him, even with parts of ourselves that may be ugly. Because when something terrible happens to us, um, when we're wronged, either personally or even when we see God being wronged, like David is not so much upset at himself being wronged in these verses, other verses he is, but in these verses he's upset about God being wronged and he's, he's angry about that. But we may feel that as well, that God is ignored or, or God is opposed and that may make us angry or, or um, maybe since a society that dishonor God may make us angry and maybe the, the easy thing to do is to tell other people about that, um, to complain to friends or to vent our anger or to express it and spread it. But that's not necessarily helpful. But actually, one thing that can be helpful and good is not to post it on social media, not to complain and rant, but actually bring it to prayer. If there's this frustration and this, this anger and this desire to complain, tell God. Like He's someone that you can actually tell because He knows already, and you don't have to hold back. You can actually be completely open and honest with Him more than anybody else because He knows anyway. Um, you can trust him completely, and he's one person you can just totally switch off the the control button and just be open to him, because he knows. And, um, and again, like I was saying, I think David expressing even his hatred to God is another example of David's intimate relationship with God. Like, he's been talking about this intimate relationship and these are uh, intimate prayers to then to actually bring his desire for justice and his... Anger at God being dishonored is actually an expression that he has this intimate relationship with God. He can share his raw, honest feelings. His passion for God, which is good, right? His passion about God's name, it's that he's zealous for God, so he's angry at the things that oppose God. And like I was saying, it's actually appropriate to hate evil. It's appropriate to not just think it's okay um, and to express that to God because evil, death, destructive forces are not just facts of life that we have to accept. There's there's a place to accept, but they're actually not part of God's good plan or design. They're actually anti-life, and it's actually appropriate to um, be against them. Even see this in Jesus' response when um, his friend Lazarus uh, dies, and Jesus comes um, a few days after, and he's died, And people are upset and crying. And there's this verse that's often translated that Jesus was deeply troubled. And we might sort of read that, that he was sad that Lazarus had died. But the translation is actually more that he was angry. Um, The message puts it like this in a couple of verses in John 11. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. He said, where did you put him? Then a few verses later, then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him arrived at the tomb, and he goes on. And then he he raises him from the dead. But it's like Jesus, when he's confronted with death, his response is anger. He actually despises death. Um, David Guzik on that verse says this about the the meaning of Jesus being angry. He said the, the the word that translates that way. He says it means that Jesus wasn't so much sad at the scene surrounding the tomb of Lazarus, it's more accurate to say that Jesus was angry. Jesus was angry and troubled at the destruction and power of the great enemy of humanity, death. Jesus would soon break the dominating power of death. So it's appropriate um, to be angry at evil, to hate evil, as Romans says, um, and we can bring that raw emotional response if we find it in ourselves, uh, instead of spreading it out to others and, and, and venting at the world, to actually bring it and express it to God honestly in prayer. But there's also problems with this. Um, and even as I'm saying this, you may have some nervousness about, or it doesn't seem right to be talking about anger in church or, or praying that. And, and, and it's true that there's some dangers with that, that we don't want to take that too far. And it's interesting that just after this in Psalm 139, after David expressing his, his raw emotion of hatred, he then invites God to challenge him, self, personally. Um, he says this, the last couple of verses. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive, that can also be translated wicked, way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. David invites God to search him, to know him, to test him, identify offensive or you could say ways that David grieves God. David's so angry about people being opposed to God and now he's asking God to show him the ways that he may be opposed to God and offending God Um, and ask him to lead him in everlasting ways. Um, He's he's effectively opening himself up to God, uh, letting himself be open bare and asking God to do heart surgery and, and take out the evil that's in my heart, God, that's there, even if I can't see it. Because everything's not okay in the world, as we're saying. It's appropriate to bring our frustration and anger at that to God and our raw emotions to God, but it's also appropriate to say, well, the problem starts here. It's actually personal. It's actually in me. And like David, we might be zealous for the Lord and not like God's name being despised or God being ignored or God being dishonored in the world, but actually we need to invite God to identify the ways that we ignore him and dishonor him and don't represent him well in our actions, and our speech. We can actually let God address the evil in our own hearts and lead us down right paths. Again, this relates to Jesus' teaching about it's easy to see Um, the speck in someone else's eye and not the log in your own eye. And Jesus invites us to look at the log in our own eye first. It's easier to see evil or rebellion or or, or problems in other people rather than in our own hearts. But if we open ourselves to God, just like in in some ways... um, Right, like what I, what I guess we're saying is we don't just have to be nice to God in prayer. We can be honest and, and open and, and raw, and maybe that's not even very comfortable. That could be quite vulnerable or difficult. Um, in a similar way, if we invite God to identify the problems in our hearts, that's probably not going to be nice or, or comfortable. It may be difficult. It may be painful because it may cut. i um, thinking when you get surgery... Um, you go to the doctor, and they cut you. <laughs> like it's such a weird thing when you think about it, right? Like you're going to some place to be healed, and they cut you open with a knife, um, and it hurts. And it's good that we have anaesthetic, but it still hurts in the recovery, right? But in some ways, it's a different type of pain. Like if you cut yourself at home, like you don't know whether that's right or, or wrong, or the damage that's done, and there's, there's uncertainty around that. If you go to the doctor and a doctor you trust cuts you for surgery to remove um, a problem it may hurt but it's a pain that you know is leading to healing and it's a pain that is not comfortable but can even it's not a problem it can be good and being convicted um, by god is like that Um, he wait if we invite him to search our hearts and speak to us about problems he will um, he will convict us, but when we're being convicted, it may feel like having heart surgery, but it should be some, a feeling that may be painful, but is also can be sensed that it's good. Um, it's different to being condemned. Um, when, when the enemy comes and, and condemns and just makes us feel bad and ashamed and guilty, that's not God. That's the enemy, but conviction can have this sense of being discomfort, a discomfort, but also being good. So the invitation is to ask god to do heart surgery to remove spiritual cancer in ourselves that causes destruction and devastation because it's interesting that um yeah david's bringing his raw emotion to god but he's also surrendering to his correction which needs to go together because um, in the new testament as we've been looking as we've sort of said we'll look at it, the romans 12 says it's appropriate to hate evil but it also says the way to overcome evil is with good. So there's a need to not run away and in, in, in almost add to evil with evil, but actually overcome evil with good. It says hate evil. Be, be able to be open and honest about the raw emotional response. But then Romans 12 says this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And you may have been thinking of these words from Jesus when he says, you have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. What we see is, is it, it, the, the heart response right of um, Hating what is against God and what is evil and what is destructive is appropriate. Jesus does. Jesus hates death. Jesus hates evil. But he doesn't fight evil with evil. Because if you do that, evil wins, right? If you fight fire with fire, fire wins. If you fight death with death, death wins. Jesus hates evil, but he doesn't fight evil with evil. He hates death, but he doesn't fight death with death and kill. He defeats death by dying and rising. Jesus grieves over people that are opposed to God, but he loves his enemies, and Jesus himself takes the place of the wicked. David's praying for justice God slay the wicked. Jesus is the one that takes the place of the wicked and is slain, and in so doing defeats the power of Satan and death. Jesus is the ultimate one who's passionate about God's name. And god's honor and the one who is sinless and not tainted by evil but he doesn't overcome it by fighting evil with evil but by fighting evil with good i suppose that's the problem is if we sort of open the floodgates to to saying well we can express our anger at evil to god or or it's it's appropriate to hate and and be um frustrated with problems in the world and 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 destructive forces in the world it's a problem that that could then snowball and spiral out of control. There's a need to identify maybe that heart is right, a passion for God is right, but we need to go about it in God's ways, ways that are everlasting, which are ways that actually you do good. Good overcomes evil. So what we've been talking about is how do we have um, confidence in complex times. I suppose the, the, the short summary is through our relationship with this God an intimate relationship with a God who knows us, who is with us, who's always been with us and loves us, and a God who we can actually bring anything to, even the ugly parts, even the frustration, we can tell Him anything, and in that place, we can also invite Him to lead us and to guide us and to speak to us. And it's important that this is not um, an idea, I'm not talking about having confidence in an idea of God, of, of a just this idea that God knows everything and He's present and as like facts, but it's a personal relationship of interactive intimacy with Him, knowing that He knows and cares and is present. We're invited not to try to control this complex world, um, which will just lead to more and more frustration, but actually control what we can control, which is ourselves, and actually respond. And actually, the thing that we most need to respond to is not the world. It's not that we have to figure out how do we respond to this world and this moment? How how do we do that? What's our response? The main thing is how are we responding to God? How are we responding to Him and what He's saying to us? How are we trusting in Him and growing in intimacy with Him? We can invite Him to search us, to know us, to challenge us, to lead us and respond to Him with pure hearts not distracted, loyal, not divided, confident in him, not afraid. That's the invitation of this psalm. And I suppose to do that, we need him as well. Um, and we need him to highlight, as David does, ways that we um, fail at that. So what we're going to do as, as we respond um, is actually to stay seated for the next song. And, and Tiff's going to play a song, um, which is also a psalm, um, of David. A prayer, and this is a song that we can use to reflect and invite God to cleanse us, and speak to us, and renew us in our relationship with Him. And I was singing as as we do this. Maybe there's ways that um, at the moment you are angry, um, or maybe have been wronged, um, or maybe just are frustrated about the world and or or the church, or or, or could be a whole lot of things. There's something that's There and and there's an invitation to bring it to God and let Him lead us as to how to respond. Because maybe there's a, a, a right frustration, but we need to make sure we have the right response. That our response isn't out of frustration and adding fuel to the fire, but actually, in a way, everlasting. We overcome evil with good. We represent Jesus' heart of love, even for enemies, while also representing His passion. For God. So I'm going to pray and then I just invite you to um, just spend this time open to Him. Um, you may like to sing, you might like to just sit, you may like to pray, um, and then after that we'll sing one more song together um, to finish. So just thank you so much, Father, for your um, kindness and your love. Um, just so glad that you're our God and, and Father, you're the perfect one, um, knows us perfectly perfectly present, never distracted, has loved us perfectly, bears with us in our, in our state, Lord, and leads us gently and corrects us and guides us. Just thank you. We don't have to <laughs> place confidence in ourselves to, to try and figure things out or, or make a way forward, but we can just place all our confidence in you and bring all our issues and problems to you and just place it all in your hands and, and just experience your love and your care. Just ask even now, Lord, as we open ourselves to you, show us ways that we're dishonoring you. Show us ways maybe we are responding um, partly right, but in ways that are destructive. And we ask you to lead us in ways that are everlasting, that honor you. Um, Just thank you that that you desire our good. um, That When you do cut, as a surgeon does, it's to heal. It's in love and it's gentle. We just ask for life and healing in our hearts and our relationships with you. Um, today, Jesus, in your name. Amen.